go to the next level and get higher. That's something that I find very, uh, very appealing about endurance sports. Um, that, that sort of constant drive for betterment um, is something that, that, that I really appreciate about it. And so... You're, you're, yeah, yeah, it's like crack. <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean to be... I mean, that's what it is. I mean... Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings on iTunes. Thanks for the interactions on Facebook, on Twitter, via email, etc. I appreciate all those messages and all those questions. As I've said many, many times before, it's actually the interaction that I enjoy the most. And so with that in mind, I'm actually going to be sharing with you today an interview that I just conducted with Eddie McCoy. Um, Eddie McCoy is an endurance athlete, just finished his first complete Ironman a couple of weeks ago at Ironman Louisville. Um, and uh, as you'll hear, though, this was not his first foray into endurance sports. Uh, he's done more than 30 marathons. He's done more than 50 half marathons. And that's all despite the fact that he's fairly new to the endurance sports game. Uh, and so I look forward to sharing that with you here over the course of the next little while. Before we do that, there was a couple of things I wanted to share with you. Uh, first of all, a couple of pieces of news that you might have seen. Uh, we're kind of moving into championship season slash transition season. A lot of people... Um, had their big events in late September, early October. A lot of people have their big events coming up here. Uh, if you're doing Ironman Florida, it's next weekend. If you're doing the New York City Marathon, it's next weekend. Uh, if you're doing one of the great regional marathons like the Space Coast Marathon in Florida, or if you're doing the the Soldier Marathon here in Georgia, um, those are in the, in the month of November as well over the course of the next little while. Uh, the Rocket City Marathon in Huntsville, Alabama is in December. The Chickamauga Battlefield Marathon is coming up next month. So all of these, uh, these great big events coming up right now. If you're a fan of collegiate cross country, uh, you probably know that on Friday and Saturday, just the last couple of days, uh, most conferences had their conference championship meets. And so uh, they're getting into championship season in the collegiate times as well. Um, some great stories actually out of the conference championships you might have seen. I wanted to share two of them with you. Uh, first of all, you might have seen the results from the SEC championships. Uh, those were held in Athens, Georgia. They were hosted by the University of Georgia. And the University of Georgia women, as a matter of fact, finished second, uh, which is a really impressive finish for them. Uh, the Arkansas men's and women's teams are the greatest men's and women's cross-country programs in the history of the NCAA. Uh, and so to defeat those teams is immensely difficult. Um, and so Arkansas won the men and women once again, uh, but the UGA women were able to finish second, which is a really good thing for them. Um, Georgia Tech uh, went up to Kentucky um, and took part in the ACC championships, and I'm not sure where the team finished. It wasn't quite as high. Syracuse, who's ranked number four in the United States, uh, won the ACC championship. Um, Louisville, after having uh, finished in the top five, I want to say, in the, in the NCAA a couple of years ago, uh, finished dead last in the conference. Um, but anyway, uh, they were the host of the meet. There's a reason why I mention it. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, a couple of kind of quick stories from the various conference meets that came out over the course of the last little while. Uh, one, you know, and this is a quick one, and, and, and I got to give a hard time to those folks that I know that are, that are Alabama fans. Uh, Alabama has probably the three best or the best top three uh, in the NCAA uh, men's teams right now, period. Um, if they only scored three people in a cross-country team meet, uh, Alabama would be a contender for the NCAA title. 
but they don't. They score five. Now, if you don't know how they score it, let me tell you real quick. Those of you who didn't run high school cross country, those of you who didn't run college cross country, uh, it's pretty straightforward. If you finish first place, you get one point. If you finish second place, you get two points. If you finish third place, you get three points. If you finish 50th place, you get 50 points. Um, and they take the number of points that each person in your top five has scored, and they add up those scores. Um, and whoever has the lowest score wins. And so imagine if your first runner finishes first, your second runner finishes second, your third runner finishes third, fourth is fourth, fifth is fifth, uh, etc. That would be one, two, three, four, five runners. One plus two plus three plus four plus five is 15 points. And so a perfect score in cross country is 15 points. And by the way, BU, uh, BYU, pardon me, Brigham Young University scored a perfect score at their uh at their conference meet on Friday. Um, they're number two in the United States right now, and actually number four, Portland, is in their conference, and they still got a perfect score in their conference meet. So pretty impressive there by BYU. Uh, definitely sending a statement ahead of the NCAA championships here. But anyway, um, so one, two, three, four, five. Um, Alabama, at the SEC championships, the men's championships, their first guy finished first. Their second guy finished second. Their third guy finished third. So one, two, three, through their first three runners, they score a total of six points. That's it. You would think, you would assume that, oh, well, they have such a strong team, they won the meet. They didn't. Um, they didn't win the meet. Arkansas won the meet um, by several points, as a matter of fact. Um, the fourth runner for... Uh, Alabama was around 30th place, as was the fifth runner. They both basically came in together. I think they're brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, came in together right around 30th place, which six points for the first three guys and then about 60 points for the next couple of guys uh, means that they scored around 65 points or so, which was uh, not good enough for the win, given that Arkansas only scored about 40 points. Um, now, keeping that in mind, keeping the way that scoring actually works in cross-country, uh, let me tell you real quickly about a story that I'm almost certain that you didn't see, uh, and that was from the Southland Conference. Uh, the Southland Conference is around like Louisiana. It's a Division I conference. It's around Louisiana and Texas and stuff like that. Um, the conference champion, the men's conference champion in the Southland Conference uh, on Friday was crowned as Lamar. Lamar College ended up winning that. Um, and second place was McNeese State. Um, now, Lamar beat Lenique, McNeese State um, pretty much as close as you possibly could be. They both, if you added up the, the total pointage of their top five runners, finished with 42 points. So, of course, they had to go to a tiebreaker. Now, in most states around the United States, they tend to break the high school ties by going to the sixth runner. They say, okay, let's see whose sixth runner finishes first, and whoever's sixth runner finishes first, that's going to be how we actually go about determining who won. Um, that's the way they break ties. So it kind of makes sense given the way that they score one, two, three, four, five. Um, in some college conferences, they actually go to the fifth runner. They just see who won first out of the one, two, three, four, five runners. Um, but for the most part, generally speaking, traditionally in cross country, they go to that sixth runner and they see who it is. Well, the NCAA is a little bit different. The NCAA, for whatever reason, decided to make up their own rule about tiebreakers. And so what they decided to do is to look at where your first, second, third, fourth, and fifth runners finish relative to the other team with whom you were trying to break the tie. So in other words, they compare and they say, okay, did Lamar's number one runner beat McNeese State's number one runner? Did Lamar's number two runner beat McNeese State's two runner? Did their three beat their three? Did their four beat their four? And did their five beat their five? I know it sounds kind of complicated, but hopefully you're with me. So Lamar ended up winning that tiebreaker three to two. 
Um, Lamar's number one runner beat McNeese State's, McNeese State's number one runner. Uh, Lamar's number three runner beat McNeese State's number three runner. Um, and Lamar's number four runner beat McNeese State's number four runner. Uh, therefore, they had three of their top five in front of three of the top five of McNeese State, and they ended up winning. But it's even closer than that. Lamar's number one finished first in the race. McNeese's number one was second in the race, only about four seconds behind. Lamar's number three was eighth in the race, and McNeese's was ninth in the race, 0.3 seconds behind their number three. Lamar's number four was 11th in the race, and McNeese's states was, you guessed it, 12th in the race, 0.8 seconds behind. And so if you add that together, 4.7 seconds between their number ones, 0.3 between their number twos, 0.8 between their number fours, um, that means that, that put it all together, uh, 5.8 seconds was the difference between Lamar winning the conference championship and McNeese State having to go home with the consolation prize. Uh, so obviously a, a, as close as they could possibly come. And some exciting things are out of the Southland Conference. Who would have thought? Um, one other kind of piece of no, news that I think you might have seen um, came out of the, the, the Venice Marathon. Um, Venice Marathon was where uh, the leaders went pretty far off course. Um, they were about a minute up on this guy who was, fin who was around fifth place, something like that. Uh, this is in Venice, Italy. Uh, and the lead vehicle just took them cold off course. And they continued off course for like a quarter mile before they began to realize that they were off course. They turned around, ran back the quarter mile they were off course. By that point, the, the guy who was in fifth who had stayed on course actually was in the lead. And they were never able to make up the gap on him. The guy who was in fifth was actually an Italian citizen. And so uh, there was kind of a, a joke around the fact that, that here at the Venice Marathon, for the first time in about a decade, they had an Italian winner at the Venice Marathon. You might not have seen, though, so a lot of y'all saw the Venice Marathon. You might not have seen the Valencia Half Marathon that took place this past week in Spain, last weekend in Spain. Uh, in the women's race, a woman named uh, Jocelyn Jepkoski, uh, a Kenyan woman, uh, she set her sixth road world record of the year. Um, she, uh, she, she set six world records in road races this year. Um, now, world records in road races are different from world records on the track, by the way. Um, and so this was her sixth road world record of the year. Now, like four of those, I want to say, were set in a single race. It was like the 10K, the 15K, and the half marathon were all in the same race, as a matter of fact. Um, but in this race, she ran 64.52, uh, one hour, four minutes, and 52 seconds uh, in the half marathon uh, to break her own world record by a single second there. Um, and so she ended up setting her sixth world record of, of a road world record of the year there. Um, and the reason why I bring it up here is because she's kind of at the front of this giant group of women um, who are running the half marathon faster than ever before. This year is like the year of women's half marathoning. Um, five of the six fastest women in history at the half marathons uh, have run their PRs in 2017. Uh, in addition to the world record holder, uh, Jocelyn Jepkoski, uh, you also have the second fastest of all time, uh, Paris Jepchirchir. Um, she's run 65.06. She's never run a, a marathon, by the way. Um, the, the third fast of all time is Florence Kiplagat, um, and, and she is not from 2017. Uh, but then the number four performance, five performance, and six performance are from Mary Katani, uh, Viola Jepchuma, and Fancy Chumutai, um, all of whom have run those times in 
2017. As a matter of fact, that that number seven time, um, that number six time, pardon me, um, by Fancy Chimutai, uh, she ran 105.36, and it was actually in that same race, the Valencia Half Marathon, uh, where Jocelyn Jepkoski actually beat her own world record. So um, it's a great time to be a woman and uh, and be be running half marathons. Um, Shout out real quick to Let'sRun.com. Uh, Let'sRun.com is a is a website that's not perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I certainly have some issues with it, and their message boards is full of all sorts of snarky behavior. And and their founders are not perfect, but they're gigantic fans of track and field, um, and they're really good about uh, looking at things in historical context uh, and digging deep into numbers. And so I appreciate that. But both of those last two stories, um, I was uh, alerted to by the uh, the folks at Let'sRun.com. All right, well, enough of just me talking. I am eager to play for you the interview that I recorded with Eddie a couple of days ago. Uh, Eddie McCoy is an all-around good guy, uh, and he has some interesting things to say here that I, uh, I look forward to sharing with you. Let's hear that interview. All right, everybody, we're here with Eddie McCoy, endurance athlete extraordinaire. Eddie has been nice enough to, uh, to, to grace us with his presence on the podcast here. Uh, right in the wake of his first full Ironman finish at Ironman Louisville a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as we'll hear, though, that is not even remotely close to his first experience with, uh, with long-distance racing as he's done scores of marathons and everything else. He's also a huge fan of Disney and the Run Disney races, or at least he was at one time, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. So, uh Eddie, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hey, George. I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, you, you know, I'm a little rusty at this uh, this gig. I, I used to have this little show uh, that, that I hosted for a little over a year that uh, was called The Marathon Show. Uh, right we had a pretty pretty decent audience. Uh, it was another show I took over from uh, from one Joe Terracani at the time, who was a very popular guy in the marathon uh, circuit. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you being, having me back on. I may be a little bit of rusty. I, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> do this talking gig anymore well actually it's it's cool because the the fact that you used to have your own podcast like has forced me to up my game here on my own podcast so so we're actually communicating on skype and recording on skype for the first time so if there's some audio breaks or something like that i'm sure that they're going to be my fault as we move forward here so but, um but yeah tell us a little bit about that that podcast that you used to do because it's it's probably still available if folks want to go back and get it right <laughs> yeah it is it's, it's it, once again it's the marathon show and yeah i i did it uh just a little bit over a year until i got into full ironman uh training and it just became a juggling balance with family podcast and training uh as uh you understand what the podcast do and we we're talking about about once a week at the time and that's you know that can be a lot oh yeah no, when when I first started doing this podcast, I was shooting for once a week, and I kept that up for like a month. And then when I was no longer injured, and I was actually start tra- able to start training again, the podcast kind of went away. And 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 then I was like, well, once every two weeks. And and now it's gotten to where pretty much, whenever there's something I kind of want to say, that's when it ends up coming on. So, uh, but but it's worked out fine, and 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 folks are still are still listening to it, which I appreciate. No, that's awesome. And you, and you mentioned our common ground, how I reached out to you the first time. Other than knowing you from track and from ITL would be the fact that you have a love for Disney. And uh, <laughs> and listening to your past Disney podcast uh, brought back some memories since I've run a numerous Disney races, as some people who, who know me will know. Well, let's, let's, let's actually, since you brought it up, you've run every Disney race, haven't you? Every Disney race in the U.S. I, I, stopped, I stopped when they went to Paris. I, I said, no moss, I'm out. All right, very good. And so that includes all the ones on the West Coast and on the East Coast. 
That is correct. And so you've collected a ton of medals, not only like the like the, the race medals themselves, but also like the coast to coast challenge medals and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah, I, I, I've got them all. So uh, you know, uh, it's a nice little collection. It's it's on the wall. It makes it look like I've done a heck of a lot more than than, than what I have because Disney, you know, they don't just like giving you one medal. They want to give you five for two races. And the medals are are great, though. I mean, the medals are gorgeous. Like 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 my wife said when we talked about it a couple of years ago or a year ago, that that it they they combined. Disney lovers wanting to collect Disney stuff with runners wanting to collect finisher medals. It's like it's like the perfect combination of of swag desire, you know. Um. Oh, it is. They have they 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 really have done a really good job on their medals, and uh, mm-hmm. they they never skimp on that. And of course, uh, my favorite medal would probably be one you'd probably be a little jealous of: the uh, Kessel Run medal that's with the Millennium cool Falcon. That is a that's cool a, that's medal. about the coolest one I've got. That is a cool one, yeah, yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get Eddie to give me a picture of that one, or maybe I'll take a picture of it and post it. Uh, but, but yeah, it's a super cool medal. The, uh, the probably the coolest medal that I have. If, if, so if if you take away like the accomplishments that are related to the medals, because that's obviously important, right? Absolutely. Um, but, but if if you take that away, I think probably the coolest aesthetic medal I have is from the the Star Wars Dark Side race last year, 2016. That's a Tie Fighter. Uh, it's yep. super cool. Now that race, I had to walk the whole race because I was injured, and it was a humiliating, awful experience. And I really did not. I don't look back on the actual race very positively, but the medal is sweet. <laughs> yep, and I I officially have a finish above George. Yes, you do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you and about ten thousand other people that day. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, so while we're talking about races, then uh, what are what are some of? I mean, so tell us real quickly. You said that you actually keep a list of all of your races, right? Well, no, I, I used to at one point. You kind of forced me uh, when you asked me on to go back and look at it. And it's been like over two years since I did it. But, uh, yeah, I was trying to keep track at one point. Uh, you know, I, I, I never with the intent to, to, to keep, the, you know, the number of states, which is, which is a very big deal to a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be marathons or half, trying to get all the states. And I, and I applaud all those. And I've got some good friends that are doing it. Uh, but i just just trying to keep a record because it started adding up, and I couldn't remember – which ones? But uh, it's a list. The last I said it was over 50 halves and over 30 fulls, and I know I've hit 17 states in fulls. So more, so. more than 30 full marathons. Very good. Uh, and so keeping that in mind, so more than 50 half marathons, more than 30 full marathons, and and you now have an Ironman under your belt, and and uh, and then of course you've run countless shorter races. What are some of your favorites? Man, if we, if we, if we're gonna go. The uh, the marathon, one of my favorite marathons would be Big Sur, and, and th- that race is absolutely one of the most scenic races I think you'll ever do. Uh, and it's a tough marathon, especially if the wind's against you, but uh, it's, it's absolutely stunning as far as views. And uh, my favorite one was, uh, I think I was there the last year at the same time you were running New York City. So uh, right that was one of, that was one of my favorite big races. I've done Boston, I've done Chicago, and I've done New York. So mm-hmm. uh, of the big three, those uh, New York definitely my uh, my favorite uh, of the big ones. And then one of this off the map that you would never think of that was really really fun was the Fargo Marathon in North huh. in Fargo, North Dakota. Really, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So so let's talk about Big Sur and talk about Fargo. And I totally agree with you. So no, I, I I've done Boston, Chicago, and New York as well. Uh, and they, I mean, they live up to the hype. They're great races. Um, 
but Big Sur, so I've never done Big Sur, but because everybody talks about how great it is, I've always kind of wanted to do it, and maybe I'll do it, you know, one of the next few years or so, but it comes, it's like the week after the Boston Marathon, so it's in April. A week to, a week to two weeks, it just depends on how it is, but yes, it's always right after uh, Boston, and they have a big challenge. If you do Boston, they have these spots that they call Boston to Big Sur, right. so you can sign up, and that's how I ended up doing it when I did Boston. Oh. So, 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 so you did, you did them a week or two? Like you it was a week, week apart at the time. All right. So it was, you ran Boston on Monday and uh, Big Sur on Sunday. Nice, so, nice. So a tight uh, squeeze. And so, so even with having run a marathon six days prior and all the fatigue you brought into it, you still would consider it one of your favorite marathons? Absolutely, because uh, at that point there was no time goal. So I was literally running with a friend who was uh, on her 50-state uh, journey. So at that point uh, she's, she's a much slower racer, and I was – really in a bad shape after Boston that year. So it kind of worked out to take it nice and slow. And I just really enjoyed the, uh, the marathon. And, and at the point, at some points I've, I've run, uh, with a lot of friends and I used to take a video camera and I've, I've recorded several videos of all these different marathons, uh, from, from, from different perspectives, uh, with a, with a GoPro and different cameras. So, uh, I use that kind of a chance to document it. Cool. So to speak. Very cool. Very cool. And so what is it about, I mean, Big Sur, it's a, it's a beautiful, course is that what it is i mean is that what makes it so great it is exactly what it makes it good because it's, it's monterey it's on the pacific coast uh highway so i mean you're you're running with the ocean to your left a lot of the way and it's just it's just it's just a view you know i don't i don't i don't like trail running like a lot of people and uh so so that's as bad as trail running as like, i'm going to get like, like, like me for example i like trail running so yes yeah all right very good um and then fargo tell us why fargo is so great because it has to be one of the nicest places where everybody is just like it's. I mean, I want to I want to label it Niceville, but, but it was just everything. It was just they were the nicest people, and they were they were all out there. They were enthused, and it, I mean, it's Fargo. I mean, it's like it's like you know. But it was a huge event, and they and they treated it as such. Uh, and they were just enthusiastic, and and the town was actually it's a cool little town. I mean, it was uh, it was just it just. Just, just, just the atmosphere of that race made it just a really cool. Just it was an unexpected gem. It's kind of yeah. we're going there because uh, my friend was trying to get her 50 states, and but I went there and said, "Man, that was just so much fun." So Absolutely. it's one of those you look back fondly without expecting it. Absolutely. How many, like, how many people are in the Fargo Marathon? Oh man, I want to say in the marathon, uh, it maybe 1,500. Okay. It was, it's not a huge one, but it's not small either. It's right. kind of that in-between state. Right. And then what time of year is it? They run it in uh, May. Okay. It was uh, it was actually Mother's Day, which uh, news to uh, don't ever do a Mother's <laughs> Day race and not tell your wife and you know that that one that one cost me some points. <laughs> I'll bet. So very good. Uh, so Fargo, that's I mean I'm definitely gonna have to look that one up and kind of think about it too. So so and that kind of makes me think about you know the the, the last podcast uh, that that we recorded was with Patrick Ollinger and we were talking about different races and different sizes and and all that sort of thing. And it sounds like so the, talking about Fargo and talking about Big Sur and then talking of course about about Boston, Chicago and and New York, which you also did. Um, that kind of makes me think about a couple of things. One would be um, those different sizes, um, and that was something I was thinking about a lot after Chicago. I mean, do you think that there's sort of an ideal size for a marathon? Or I mean, what, what are your thoughts on on marathon crowd sizes? 
I think there's an ideal size for, uh, well, for me, there's an ideal size to race and there's an ideal size to go enjoy the race. Yeah. And, uh, the big races, I've tried to run, I've tried to race Boston. I tried to race Chicago. I could never find my groove and it just ended up, I ended up bombing mm-hmm. in both those. So New York, the, was the third uh, of the big ones. I just took it easy and man, I just had a blast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the smaller field where you can get your own space and you can find that one or two people that are around you, I, that, that to me is, is, is I rather race in a smaller race mm-hmm. and I rather enjoy a bigger race. That's, that's, that's my mentality. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to that in a theoretical way, just cause I haven't raced enough marathons to be able to, to, to really say it. But, but that, that, that seems to make a lot of sense to me with where my my head currently is, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. My my better times definitely come at the smaller races where 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 you can set your own pace. Mm-hmm. But those big ones, man, you, it's it's hard. Those groups are big. Mm-hmm. Well, and talk too about. And so the other thing I thought about when you're talking about all the, the sort of different sizes, well, and you've done some probably super small ones too, right? Uh, yes, uh, I've done some. Oh, I'm trying to think. Well, the Seven Bridges in Chattanooga is very small. Mm-hmm. That's like a 400, 500. Uh, you know, it's uh, trying to remember where I've gone out of state. Most of the out of state rate, most of the races I've done have been a size of 1,000 to 1,500. Okay. That seems to be kind of an average. Uh, Surf City, uh, it has a huge half marathon that's attached to the marathon. So those races, a lot of these have halves and fulls going off at the same time, but you, you know how it is. It's right. uh, three fourths half and one fourth. Right. Uh, full. So as soon as you uh, split, it's like you're in isolation after being with people for so yeah. long. Yeah, the Atlanta Marathon, um, the public, the Publix Georgia Marathon is that way, um, and then the the old Atlanta Marathon that was on Thanksgiving was very much that way. That that the the half marathon was this gigantic running event in the community, and nobody did the marathon. I mean, it was just sort of an empty thing. And there's more people who do the the Publix Georgia Marathon now, but still, it's very heavily weighted towards the half. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a mile eight split right there, where yeah. where yeah. where you go, you go off to the right, and everybody's yeah. uh, leaving oh. you. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So we we've also had those experiences in the uh, in 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 like century bike rides before and everything, where you're in this you know, good group of people and you're all working well together, and then you come up to the split of the metric century and the century, and everybody takes the turn for the metric. Oh, looks like you're by yourself for the last fifty miles of the ride here. So. Well, well, a cruel marathon is like Philadelphia marathon. What they do is they bring you, you run the first half all together with the half marathoners. They bring you to the finish line where you're looking at the finish line and then everybody else is going in to have a good time. And there you are going out for another half. And you're like, what the heck? You know, this wasn't such a good idea when I, that's when great. I signed up, but well, yeah, no. Well, of course. So, so that probably better prepared you for Ironman Louisville, though, because one thing that I always say about Ironman Louisville is that it has a great finish line there in Fourth Avenue Live with the two stories and the music so loud and everything. But then they run you right up to that finish line, man, before they turn you around and go back. Yep, it was just like Philadelphia, <laughs> just like Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, oh, there's your prize, but yeah. Uh, you need to go back out. That's right. Oh no, you have 13 more miles. Nice yeah. try, though, buddy. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Here's a little. Here's a little taste of what you're gonna get in like you know two hours or whatever. So, um, but then also, so so you've gone into all these different marathons and and so when you go into a marathon, you go in with different goals based upon what the marathon is and all that sort of thing. So your goal is not always to to go there and and perform your absolute best. 
right? Is that fair to say? No, that, that is fair to say. I have I have marathon finishes that, that are in the very very low three hours to seven hours. Mm-hmm. So it depends on if I'm going to run with people. If I'm by myself, usually it's going to be a faster marathon. I'm not going to. I'm just going to go. But uh, if I have friends and, and I'm just there just to enjoy it, then then I'll run whatever pace they're doing. That's that's kind of what I roll. And and do you and you, you pick that out? I imagine months and months ahead of time. You say, all right, Seven Bridges is going to be for this, and New York is going to be for this, and Fargo's. I mean, you you pick that out. I imagine pretty well in advance, right? For the most part. Uh, training will kind of dictate it too, to a degree. Okay. But uh, yeah, so sometimes I've gotten to races where I just know I'm not where I want to be, and I won't race it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, if I'm going to go for it, I, I, I'm training that way well in advance, yeah. and, and I know that. Yeah, for sure. Right. Very good. I, you know, I, I, the subtext here, Eddie, is that that I aspire to be someone who is healthy and is doing a lot of marathons and and is performing at marathons, but also enjoying some marathons as well. And just sort of have varying love. And and I can do that with 5Ks. I can do that with 10Ks. I've run enough of those now to where I can go into a 5K or a 10K and be maybe a little bit less prepared, but, you know, not not worried about it. I would like to get that way with marathons, but I don't know if it's realistic to get there with marathons because it's such a bigger effort. I mean, like when, so so when you did, when you did Boston and Big Sur. Uh-huh. I mean, so did you, did you run Boston hard? When you, were you trying to run that one hard or? Yeah, I was trying to run that hard, and and then I absolutely got dehydrated because it was a uh, it was uh, the year after uh, the uh, the year after the bombing, okay. and uh, so it uh, it got me with the sun because as you run Boston, there is no shade on that course, yeah, and it's it's deceiving, and absolutely I was dehydrated, and I pretty much was was a lot of walking after the halfway point, and it was okay. not fun in yeah. a miserable state. So uh, gotcha. I was in a, and I felt like crap, and so. Big Sur became just a uh, survival, and I didn't even know how I was going to survive even running slow with a with a friend at that point. Yeah, yeah, but you did, and it was a great race. Yeah, no, it yeah. it was, it was yeah. very good, very good. But uh, but but there are races, and and this is where you want to prove. Where I've done three marathons in four weeks, and I BQ'd in two of them and missed one by like a a minute or two. And so 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 you, so you went out to do three marathons, and you were trying to do all three of them fast. I. Well, I I was trying to do one fast for sure to get the first one to get the BQ, mm-hmm. and the other two were whatever I had. Okay. And uh, uh, the second one I missed by like four minutes, and it was four minutes I missed the the second one, and then the the next one I hit it again, and on the fourth week. So when was when was that? What races were those? Uh, it was uh, it was 2012. It was uh, Hartford Marathon, mm-hmm. uh, in in Connecticut, uh, followed by Seven Bridges. And then two weeks later was the Savannah Rock and Roll. Okay, very good. And so 2012, um, it's not like you were, you know, 19 years old at that point. So you know, you were. <laughs> oh, uh, see, this is this is this is where people say it's not fair because this was all within my first year of running. Okay. And uh, and I came from a background of uh, being a very obese person, mm-hmm. uh, weighed 320 pounds, and then lost uh, all the weight and got into running after I'd lost the weight and mm-hmm. just in an addictive style, you just kind of mm-hmm. go for it and uh, never was athletic in anything and then found out I had a little bit of speed. So then mm-hmm. became a mission right on. faster. Okay. So, so would you do that now? 
I mean, because because okay. heck now, no, okay. <laughs> heck no, I I. I I don't even I don't like the idea of signing up for a marathon anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's why I stopped. That's why I went to Ironman. That's exactly. much easier. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but it's funny you say Ironman's much easier. I said on our last podcast that I think that marathons beat you up more than Ironmans do, and I was expecting a whole bunch of people to push back on me and no. be like, no, no, yeah. And and literally to a person, every person that has responded has been like, oh my god, marathons are so much harder. Um, so much so that I'm actually now kind of like you. I'm like, I'm like, maybe I should go back to doing Ironman. So. <laughs> I, I, I just know. Well, I, I kind of got forced in a situation. I had a bad back injury, and and it was after running. You know, I was doing twenty five to three thousand miles a year for two or three years in a row, and it was just the pounding you put on yourself is just unreal. And and uh, this Ironman, it's I mean, Ironman is the hardest event I've ever done, but the training, I don't feel like I'm dead. Right. You know, it's, it's feel, you're tired. You're like exhausted from being tired, not but not because you're physically beat up, which yeah. I love. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I think I was talking to somebody about this last week, as a matter of fact, um, because I was talking to to a guy whose wife had done uh, Ironman Chattanooga, um, and and she was he was saying that she was, and I realize that's kind of a, a protracted chain here but he was saying that she was complaining that she was still really tired even though she wasn't all that sore and i was like well that's what that's what iron man fatigue feels like so because it's not really all that intense but it's such a big outlay of energy on that day you know it's a super long event that yeah when i look back on my iron man's i mean okay so after the first one i was sore but but towards the later ones i wasn't all that sore certainly not as sore as i was after after the marathons um, but I was just tired. I was just sleepy, you know, for a while. Um, I mean, how, how has your, how has your recovery been from Louisville? Uh, I would say it's, it's, it's been much like a marathon, except I actually, I feel fresher, okay. uh, in, in week two than I would after a hard, hard marathon. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going well, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm a guy who always kind of quick recovers and mm-hmm. then the coach has to beg me not to do more because <laughs> I'd rather do much. I'd rather do more. And my coach has made a grave error and didn't put anything on my schedule. So I took that to be, <laughs> I took that to be, uh, Oh, I can do what I want. Right. Yeah. yeah. Until he noticed like three days later, he goes, what the heck are you doing? Exactly. So, you, you, your coach, I don't think will make that mistake again. So probably not. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's, it's funny. My, my coaches in the past have put things, you know, active recovery on my schedule afterwards, and I'm like, nope, and like, you know, Training Peaks is is, is red for two weeks because I just flat don't do what they tell me to do because I, I, I want to straight up take the time off. But, but yeah, no, I have found that, that, that there are people who who don't like to stop, and, and, I, and I, I guess I get that, um, but... Yeah. I, I think I think it's just a different way uh, of doing it. I've got my my I, I have a friend who I've trained with and, and we've done miles and miles and, and our whole goal was to get the boss together. But he's a guy when he runs a marathon, he's like you. He's done for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Just don't. He'll be lucky if he goes out and does anything by the second week, you know, to test it. Whereas I'm a guy and I just for whatever reason and it's it's probably the mentality that I'm always a guy running from the fat guy yeah. and uh, so the the ideal of me sitting idle. Is just something I can't I can't stand that. So I, I'm better than what I was. So, but it, but it's still it's still it's still a mentality, and and my body always responds well, or it has. Mm-hmm. I'm getting older now, so yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll change. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's good though, and I, and I think it's important that that you point out that you know so much of of not just recovery but training itself 
um, so much of it is bound up in your own history and and even your own your own psychological approach and everything else like that. So um, for sure, um, yeah, I I've been guilty as a coach of over prescribing my approach to some of my athletes who probably needed a different approach. Not only because their their athletic history was different, but because their psychology is different. Um, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm I'm very bingy purgy as an athlete. You know, go hard, 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 stop. Um, and uh, I can sometimes be overprescriptive that way as a coach, um, whereas some people might be better off, you know, not going quite so hard during the on times, but not going quite so off during the off times. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's just a – it's an interesting thing, and I don't know the right answer or wrong answer. I think, I think it's a little bit in the middle there, and it depends on the athlete. I do too. I think, I think it's kind of part of the – the, the art side of, of, of coaching and training and all that sort of thing. Um, so what, um, you mentioned losing weight and, and, and running from the fat guy. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like to do it. But, uh, but, but, but what kind of, are there, are there other things that you found about endurance sports? Cause you said, you said you had lost the weight actually before you even got into the running. I did. I did. Yeah. I, I lost the, the weight like two years, but, uh, knowing, uh, you know, you knowing how bad running and all this stuff is on your knees and me already having bad knees from high school football. I thought, I thought the ideal of doing endurance sports was the stupidest thing I've ever heard of until one guy conned me into going to a Disney race. Keyword Disney. Okay. And it was a one and done type deal. You Cause know, because you, you were already a big Disney fanatic at that point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. We 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 are going. You know, we we still we've had we've had APs there for years, and okay. uh, so but it was just the fact that I was like, okay, Disney race, I'll do it. I trained on the elliptical machine. I didn't even run outdoors. I, I did the whole training on the elliptical machine. The first run I did was for the half marathon, the actual race, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't stop and absolutely hurt like. Heck, as you can imagine, at the end, in the most pain ever at the end of the night, likely that my daughters had a stroller, a rental stroller, that I could just prop myself up and roll myself around. And this is this is why it's not. That's, that's not why they rent those strollers, Eddie. I know, I know. But that's how it got used, and it was wine and dine, which it was uh, very popular with an after party after the race. So. I propped myself up and rolled myself around World Superbikes, <laughs> uh, but but I was I was it was so much fun that immediately I was I was hooked at, at that point. And uh, so, the endurance has just been, you know, I guess part of it was, yeah, it turned out that I was pretty good at it. And I've always I'm a competitive person, but I've never been good at anything. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't start on an 0 and 10 football team in high school as a senior. That's how great I was. So uh, to find a sport, Eddie, Eddie, you're thinking about it in the wrong terms, man. If you would have started, you wouldn't have been 0 and 10. Y'all, have been, <laughs> you, you'd have been like two and eight or something like that, you know? Yeah, uh, that's right. Coaches, they just idiots. Right, but, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was. Anyway, keep going. But no, but uh, you know, just to find something I was good at and, and find something that kept me healthy and kept me going and, and kept me moving and, and kept me without the boredom of an elliptical machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love outdoors, man. So, uh, you know, I, I'm this just gets me outdoors. And, and, I mean, I'll run. It doesn't matter. The crazier the weather, bring it. As long as it's not lightning or ice. <laughs> That's it. Those are the two things I'll bow down to in Mother Nature. All right, all right. But, uh, you know, it's, it became that that way. And, uh, you know, when I started, you know, I thought when I did a half marathon, doing a marathon would be stupid. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the ideal of an Ironman was – was absurd mm-hmm. five years ago, right. and then 
just a little bit of perspective, getting injured and realizing that, you know, turning out two to 3,000 miles a year will lead to problems down the road mm-hmm. is kind of what got me headed to Ironman. And now that I've got into triathlons, man, I'm absolutely – I love that sport. Good. Very good. Yeah, I, I, I do think – I, I do think triathlon keeps you a little healthier. Um, just the, the the mixing up of the different sports and everything like that, it does. I mean, even even that now that I don't race triathlons anymore, I still train much more like a triathlete than than most of the runners that I compete against. Um, just because I think it keeps me healthier, um, and and I probably always will. Um, and I have a better infrastructure for cross training as a result of you know triathlon and the time I spent in triathlon and everything too, which is good. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's funny because I'll try and I'll try and go, and and uh, like I'll I'll talk to different coaches, and I'll be like, okay, yeah, so I do this cross training, da da da, and they'll write me a sample program, and it'll be all running with like a thirty minute spin once every two weeks or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not how I cross train. That's, and so, so yeah, it is sort of interesting. There, there's this kind of uh, dearth of of resources out there, both human resources and and research resources out there about cross training and 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 running. If you're if you're not just or, or training like a triathlete, if for for running races, you know what I mean. Um, but I'm about to put that to the test, so we're, we're about to see how that works. Right on, uh, right on. Well, I've been uh, I've been I've been trying to so and it worked pretty well in New York and it didn't work so well in Chicago. But you know I, I think there was other things going on for me in Chicago. We'll see how it works in Boston. So which so your next race is, is Albany, right? No, no, uh, Mercedes. Uh, That's Mercedes. what I'm shooting for. Even sooner. Okay, so in February. Well, I, I I'm not going. I'm a bigger guy as, as I've made fun of uh, to to you at track and uh, the the weather is more predictable at Birmingham than it is in Albany for me because a little bit of heat will will throw me off. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd rather be too cold than hot. Heat wrecks me too, man. So, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I forget every year. I've been doing this for 25 years. I forget every year how much I, I, how bad I am in the heat, and I'm reminded every June uh, <laughs> that that wow, I'm just not great with heat. So, um, so yeah. So you're doing you're doing that in February. Yeah, that, that, that's 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 the goal. All right, and going going for for another Boston qualifier there. Yes. Well, at least uh, I think I definitely think I can get there. I don't have that far to go now that I'm five years in in, in a new age. So it, it helped me by five minutes. So right on. Uh, right on. So you know, not not that getting three fifteen is easy, but uh, getting uh, four minutes under three three ten is like really really yeah <laughs> astronomical yeah. difficult. Yeah. Well, that's for that's me. that's why they change them, man. So very good. Um, and so let's let's kind of talk about um, I guess like. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I feel like you've jammed a whole lot of experience into into a short period of time. Is that fair to say? That that's that's, that's really fair to say. It's, uh, uh, yeah. But you seem like a re- you're an intelligent guy. You're a reflective guy too, though, right? Very much so. Yeah, and so 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 as you as you or when you reflect on on your your time in endurance sports here, what are what are some of the big takeaways you have, and what's some advice you might give to other people? Well, my my advice, or one of the biggest things I've taken away is uh, relationships and friendships that uh, that, uh, that that did not exist before this sport, and uh, and it goes from local right here where I live to having friends that are pretty much spread out the country, and uh, that that's been the most gratifying thing. Uh, and then local is, is, is groups like uh, the ITL where you, where you meet all different people, and I'm just you know because. 
everybody out there, whether it's to compete in a race or not, you're there to be healthy. That's, that's number one. I mean, that's I mean, at least I believe majority of the people are out there for their health, and, and and of course to hit whatever goal they may have. But but the community is awesome, and and it's it's more like minded, and, and and pretty much you're gonna find more like minded people the longer you do this, the more you stay in it because. Uh, we're a lot of type A's in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but but that's been one of the most rewarding things. And then um, in the mornings, I really enjoy starting my day out. And, I, and I'm I'm a crazy early guy, so I'm outside at you know at three three thirty four thirty in the morning uh, outside. And I I just I love being outside at that time. Even if I and I run probably. A lot of time by myself uh, the last couple of years. My my training buddy's been getting an MBA, so uh, his lazy butt won't show up uh, on a regular basis. Uh, so he's about to show, close that chapter, and then he'll he'll start joining me more regularly on these runs. Does that does that mean that you're going to start disappearing from the ITL group workouts? Oh, oh no, MBA buddy again? No, no. All right, good, good, good. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm set on the workouts. I love those. All right, good. So, no, absolutely not. But, but it would be nice on some of the faster runs when I buy myself to have him because uh, uh, having a good training buddy, as you've already found out with Patrick, is a really good thing, especially uh, somebody that's very much your, your, your speed. And, and my, my buddy, uh, he, we started out running together with, with the same goal of Boston, and, and we just turned out we're the same speeds, man. But we take our days and we push each other in different ways, in, in a good way. So, uh, like I said, the endurance is the relationship, and then the the reflection is being outside or wherever you're in, in your own zone, where 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 there is no interruptions, and you just you can reflect, think, and I do it early in the morning, and it gives me a clear start to the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said I've said a few times before, I'm on this podcast, I'm sure, and and certainly in lots of different conversations, but. There's there's a lot of enriching things about endurance sports, um, and whenever I think about like like access and like you know the Kyle P's uh, foundation and all that sort of thing, I always think about extending the the enriching benefits of endurance sports to a wider array of people. Um, but yeah, getting to know a lot of interesting and and uh, diverse people, including you, um, I think that's great. That's very enriching. And then also yeah, just being outside and, and enjoying nature. I think that's that's. That's very enriching as well. You know what that makes me think of? Eddie McCoy, if you like groups and you like nature, you'd love trail running, man. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Uh, I've heard this pitch before. Yeah, my, I, I, run, I run with a bunch of people who do these 100-mile races, and they're looking at me, and they tell me what they do. And I, and I train with them sometimes, and I'm just like, Ah, uh, I don't know. Every time I go on a trail, I end up with a rolled ankle. Uh, ankle. Yeah. So I'm like, a, I don't know. Rolled ankle. Hey, when you want an excuse, you can find them, buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Now, I, know. I, I, I totally, I, I made a promise to, to a friend here who um, who runs the local Douglas County Road Runners, and he's one of my best friends. And uh, he's into trails. He holds the Sweetwater 50K. So I promised him that one day I'm going to have to do that race or a race with him. Does he do, does he do the Sweetwater Half Marathon, the one in, uh, I think, February? Uh, yes, he did the. Uh, yeah. That one's on my radar. I was I, I was just oh, putting I was putting that in my training peaks as a potential uh, 2018 race for me the other day. So. Yes, that that is his race. Have you done it for? Did, did you say the word trail involved? 
<laughs> okay, good point. Yeah, so so I'll take that as a I no. Volunteer. I volunteered for. No, I've done one trail race in my life, and I thought it was the longest half in my life. I hurt you. I tell you, it's just I got I got I got to get more out there, and I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I you know, I, I I said I'd never do Ironman. So. Exactly. I'm sure I'll do a race, but I think you're gonna to have to drag me out of a, you know, out of the house kicking and screaming if I'm gonna do a 50 mile or longer. That just ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. Don't I know it, man? Yeah. There was, there was a there was an ad, a Nike ad or an Asics ad or something. I think I might have mentioned this before several episodes ago, where where uh, it was it was like a it was a it was a textual ad, but it was it was this it was this uh, sort of cascading series of, of statements that said something like. I used to think runners were crazy. Um, when I started running, I thought people who ran marathons were crazy. When I did one of those, I thought people who ran in the morning were crazy. I thought people who ran in the, the rain were crazy. Um, and then the, the the final line is something to the effect of, now it's 5 a.m., I'm training for a marathon, and it's snowing. <laughs> that's so. that's awesome. And that's, you know. And, and you know that, go ahead. Go ahead. I said, you know you're in a bad spot is when the police start coming up to you on a regular basis when something's going on and asking if you saw something. Exactly. Because they know who you are. Exactly. And they're like, oh, well, you know, a car was broken into last night at 3 a.m. And Eddie McCoy was probably running in the area. Let's see if he, he saw anything suspicious. Out, um, of the, out of the ordinary since he's always in that area and he knows what normal is for 3 a.m. So. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a scary thought. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but so, you know, that, that, that sort of progressive nature of endurance sports and I've said this before is is you know that that kind of on to the next thing and the next thing and next thing that that sort of continued drive to try and and go to the next level and get higher that's something that I find very uh very appealing about endurance sports um that that sort of constant drive for betterment um is something that that, that I really appreciate about it and so you're, yeah, you're, yeah it's like crack <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean to be. I mean that's what it is. I mean, I know that's a terrible analogy, but I I, I don't feel like crack is about constantly bettering you, Eddie. <laughs> no, but it's addictive. That's yeah, what I'm saying, true, true. and that's I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I shouldn't say that. I'm just saying it's an addictive thing, and yes, especially when you like me i i look back and this is stuff that i would never have done this this seemed like the stupid and the most impossible thing and then once you do one it's you know after a while you you, you kind of get the idea of what kind of do next and that's that's kind of where it goes to yeah for sure um I, I think so and i think a lot of people um and this is probably more of a sober topic uh, i i do think a lot of people that have addictive personalities um, that that might cause them to have other addictions, be they drug addictions or alcohol addictions or food addictions or or uh, sex addictions or anything else like that. I, th I think I think a lot of people with addictive personalities end up in endurance sports um, because because it's a place where you can exercise or indulge your addictive personality in something that's not going to be self destructive, you know. Um, Unless you do eight marathons in one year and your wife <laughs> threatens to divorce you. Yeah, unless you do the, 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 the Fargo Marathon on Mother's yeah, Day, without, on Mother's with, Day. With, you, with somebody who's not your wife. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that can be a little uh, disruptive. So uh, I'm I'm a much wiser person than I was a few years ago. Yet yet again, something else that, to, to, that you can chalk up to, to endurance sports there. Very good. Exactly. Very good. Well, Eddie, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for being with us. 
I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. Good luck in your next race. Good luck in uh, in Mercedes, and hopefully it'll be a nice, cool day for you. I hope so. Knowing my luck, it'll be hot, so I'm sorry for anybody that signs up for Mercedes. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> there you have our interview with Eddie McCoy. I hope that you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Uh, be sure to get in contact with us on Facebook or on Twitter or in email or whatever uh, and let us know what you thought. Uh, if you have any follow-ups or anything like that, be sure to let us know. I am going to follow up a little bit to talk about recovery a bit more and talk about uh, the so-called transition season, which some people call the off-season, uh, which I prefer to call the transition season. And thing number one I'm going to talk about is why I like calling it the transition season. I'm going to follow up with that a little bit uh, in the next podcast or here over the course of the next few weeks. Um, don't forget to uh, to reach out to us on Twitter, at Pleasant Podcast. Um, check out the show notes uh, at mostpleasantexhaustion.blogspot.com. And I am going to publish some show notes for this one uh, because Eddie sent me the photos of his Disney medals wall and including his Kessel Run Millennium Falcon finisher medal, which you certainly want to see. So I'm going to post those on there. Check those out. Uh, and then, of course, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching, at itlcoaching.com. On Twitter, at itlcoaching. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash performance. And then don't forget about my wife, who can book all of your travel. Uh, she's already done our stuff for Boston next year. Um, facebook.com slash caseytravelplannermev. Um, or just reach out to her on uh, email. Casey, that's K-A-C-I-E, travelplanner at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.